Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. Now where it is now, everybody wants a piece of the market. <laughs> oh my God, that is funny! I don't remember asking you a thing. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. With all due respect, what the f*** are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me, tell me what's funny. You represent the idiocy of today. I did not know that. English mother do you speak it? Are you listening to me? That's my together, is my together. Nice personality combination, hostile and intolerant. So that's, that's it then. No one else really knows anything. Well, I'm going to Jacks up tomorrow. She's Leanne on the board. Reading here an article about mortgages. We'll get back to the to the markets here in a second. Uh, we have uh, we should have Kevin with us in a minute. The uh, S and P futures are down a little bit on four and a quarter. We've got the uh, five and a quarter. Sorry, Nasdaq futures down seven. Dow futures down fifty two. This is after a pretty serious bounce day yesterday. Um, might as well give the numbers since I'm talking about it. Uh, Dow was up four twenty two. S and P up sixty nine. Nasdaq up three forty eight. This was a uh, Coincidental with news that the Russians were pulling some troops back from uh, the border, and maybe there would be more negotiations, and uh, at least not a at least not a uh, invasion. Then there does seem to be from people on the show uh, that have talked to us about it um, some logistical issues with frozen land versus mud soon. That I think the uh, there's somewhat of a window in how in the uh, Invasion or pullback numbers. Now, I don't think it's there yet where they have to pull out. But uh, anyway, do we have Kevin. You do. Hey, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing just fine this morning. How about you? Um, I'm still. Well, I'm just reading some of these numbers, so it always it always makes me a little chilled. But uh, it makes you a little chilled. I, was, I thought you were going to say I'm old and achy, just like always. Well, that's uh, that's you know that that, that too. But uh, um, you know, just just one of those things. The uh, I was watching people doing the snow, uh, bouncing around in the snow with the snow skis last night, and, uh, those guys, uh, do you think they've, they've added enough kind of odd? I mean, I remember the day when your skiing was slalom, giant slalom, and downhill, and that was it. But clearly that's not the way it is anymore. Uh, and, and Super G, can't forget Super G. I'm talking about before there was a Super G. Okay. When John Claude Keeley won all three. All three. Slalom, giant slalom. Keeley could go. That guy was that guy could ski a little bit. Yeah, well, you know, it was a, it was. I don't know if the world was better or worse, Kevin. I you know, it, it just was different. I mean, I, when you're when you, when older people outline the way things, they don't necessarily say they were better. They just you you went to if you were a really good skier or a skater or whatever, you did all you could. You might if you were if you were a phenom as a teenager, you might catch one Olympics and then go back for like a second one. Uh, you know, if you were 18, then you went back. By and large, when you won your gold medals, you went home and got a job. I mean, the idea of, I mean, I'm not saying it's good or bad. Oh, or you, you got on your Wheaties, you got the Wheaties box, yeah, yeah, and you yeah. started making money as, uh, you know, uh, uh, being a personality and doing commentary and, you know, you name it. Or you, you, you had a, your line of skis, you know, that you sponsored or something like that, but you really didn't. Sort of like what you do now. You're, uh, for, for your profession, you're time out. Oh yeah, it's just what I am, uh. They're, uh, they're actually in, in the movie The Doors. I don't know if you ever saw that. It, um, I hope I saw it if I was in it. Yeah, uh, but it, it was, it, it was kind of cool where, you know, they, uh, they, they, uh, were interviewing them as they got off of the, uh, 
uh, off of the plane, and they said, uh, you know, your your name and basically your name and occupation. The occupation being, I'm the drummer or I'm the guitar player or something. And they get to Jim Morrison, and he says, name and occupation, Jim. Yeah, just celebrity. Yeah, I'm just Jim. That's what I, I do. That's what I am for a living. We were, uh, or, never forget this. We're this has to be God. It was before the crash, so '87. We're, we're out in Steamboat. Uh, a few of us went out there, and we were. Just to see what it was like in the summertime, you know, and the, the everybody, when I used to ski a couple times a year, and everybody'd say, "Man, you really got to see Colorado in the summertime." And uh, so we went out, and we did a, uh, you know, a uh, lot of good stuff. We did some biking, we did some fishing. I'm not, I don't, I don't really, I know nothing about fishing, but the other guys tried to fish, and I, of course, it was my job. We went to this place for dinner, and it was really pretty cool. We met this lady who was a chef, and we said, "Hey, tomorrow if we go fishing and bring in like a bunch of trout." Well, you cook them for us. She goes, ah, I go fish and drop them off, you know, any time in the afternoon. And when you guys come in, and you know, you'll have a great dinner of trout. So, of course, it was my job to call her about 3 o'clock. Hey, how about going to the store buying some trout? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't catch squat. <laughs> I'm like, is this all there is? The fishing, sitting here, not doing anything? Uh, anyhow, so that was, that was but there we, you know, there, we went to the, the great tugboat saloon, which is now down. What a spectacular place. They would have a band every night and pool tables in the back and my kind of joint. Uh, so we, uh, we're sitting there and these, these, these three mopes are talking about, uh, why don't they build a, uh, better golf course and this, that, and the other thing. The three of us are sitting at one table and there's a guy sitting there by himself. Finally, he, he could, he could stand no more. He turned around and he says, you three guys don't know anything about building a golf course. <laughs> and the, the guy must have been in, I don't know what he was in, some kind of golf course, con- uh, I don't know, but he, the guy knew everything about everything. And he was talking about, in building a course in the mountains, if you're going to go up 3,000 feet, every 500 feet you need a an X, X per cubic feet per second pump and to be able to water the place. And the guy's written, and then he says to these guys, well, do you want a, a cart path? And the guys by this time are like glossing over. Well, yeah, we could like use a cart path. Well, that's that's 50 bucks a foot. And do you want a curb on it? Well, now it's 65 bucks a foot. <laughs> he was... He was, he was but his, so he gives me, we talked to him and forever. He's a great guy. He, he gives me his card. It was like Joe Investments. <laughs> Investments was the card. Like you name it, I invested or something like that. Should I should have talked to that guy years later when I managed money? But he's older. He's probably dead. But uh, you do run into. I was looking at these. I just keep trying to to connect the dots, Kevin, and I just I cannot connect them. I had uh, some people over doing some work this weekend, and at lunch, I was talking to the guys and. Uh, I don't know if you heard the other day. I was giving the, the whole. I was getting the whole story about the hospitalization and the medical stuff. Because you know we all talk on the show. I mean, Carl sort of leads it, but I kind of go with it. And the, uh, the the medical piece and how it's breaking the country, and we can't we can't see anything about it. And then the, and the prices are extraordinary. They're building these monolithic hospitals. Some square footage is devoted to patient care, and the rest is for it's like Versailles for some of these people that run the place. And uh, we can't seem to break out of this overhead, just pouring money into it, insurance companies making a fortune. We, we just can't seem to break out of it, and nor do we have the stones of anybody in government that's going to break us out of it. And uh, these guys were telling me about how if you're, if, if you're at the ass end, basically the part that goes over the fence last, which I'm not accusing these people of, but the position they're in. Uh, and a couple of guys are telling me, well, the place they work, they uh, they split they split the, uh, I'm gonna guess, I didn't ask, 45 grand a year maybe they make, 50, somewhere in there. It's, it's probably 
has to be over fifty because with overtime and stuff because they don't they don't get any help from the government. So is it fifty to cut off? I, I think I'm not sure. It used to be. I'm not an expert on this, but anyway, they split their insurance with the building. So it's they each pay six hundred. Now their six hundred, of course, is before tax, which is pretty screwy. Cause, I mean, probably the, the building should pay for all of it and 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 give them a you know and, and cut the the pay by four fifty or five hundred a month, whatever it is, by the taxes. But somehow or another, somebody's not smart enough to do that. And it's not my job to get in the middle of it. But uh, anyway, there's, it's twelve hundred a month. Somebody's paying. Now this is for the basically the ass end Obama plan, uh, or whatever you want to call it. I think, I think it's Blue Cross, but it's Blue Cross now has many different levels of plans. So they they can't go to Northwestern. They can't go to Chicago. They can't, I don't think they can go to Rush. Not sure if they can go to Loyola. Uh, so basically, the bigger places, I doubt if they can go to North Shore either. So you're, the the biggest one they can sort of go to is Christ, and then, then they drop down to the second layer of hospitals. And when they go to emergency room. I think the deductible is like eleven or twelve grand, some huge number. And if somebody actually is admitted and has surgery, I think they're on the hook for twenty percent of the bill. Well, Kevin, for the first eleven grand, you don't have any insurance, right? After you're paying, right? You know, it's it, it, so now. Now I said that the other day, so but I'm, but I'm sort of stopping there because now today here's an article by uh, actually by Diane Olick, who's on uh, CNBC all time, and I, I think she's terrific. Uh, just let's see the housing prices. And you say, how the hell is this chief guy? Get them tidies together. The average size of a new, now this is average, not mean, okay, so careful. I'm, I'm not exactly talking apples to apples here. The average size of a new mortgage just set a record as home prices continue to climb. The average contract interest rate for 30 year fixed rate mortgages with conforming loan balances, which is 647000 or less, evidently a jumbo is, what, over 647000 now? Wow. Increased to 405 from 383. Which doesn't seem like a lot, but it's it's some. The average purchase loan size was a record of four hundred fifty-three thousand dollars. I'm going to say that's that's kind of way above the median, Kevin. But I'll still put the median's probably what. If the median home home price is three sixty-five, then what, what's eighty percent of that is uh, two two seventy seventy-five something like that is the average. That's, that's, a, that's if you that. that's if you have twenty percent down, which a lot of people don't at that number. No, that I mean that that wouldn't be true where I live. The median home—I don't know what the median home price is, but it's much lower. Okay. Although there there still are you know very high end prices, but it, it, the the point being that um, you know I, I refer to micro economies all the time. They're all a little bit different. Oh sure. I mean, it, it, well, it's more uh, rural versus city, really. I mean, when you yeah. Oh down yeah. Well, and and or small city, big city, and yeah. and also you know things like the employment situation. You know that. The January numbers, uh, the BLS hasn't published the January numbers, for example, for Elkhart Goshen, but the December unemployment rate was 0.9%. Um, you know, and it, it, I, I know the, um, the failings of the unemployment rate, but by any comparison, that's low. Right, oh, for sure. And, uh, yeah, and so, you know, those, those are the things that affect it. But keep going, because, you know, I, I think, you, I, I think from a, uh, um, Standpoint of the basic principles, I think you're right. Okay, so if if the, if the median home is, is now three sixty five, and you're and you're talking about eighty percent of that, let's, that this, that in other words, somebody hands you seventy two thousand bucks, right? So, so you so you so you're down to a let's say two eighty five is your loan amount, and I'll put this in the loan amount calculator here. 
that we can we can do. We 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 have the we have the technology, and we're going to talk about a thirty year fix at four point three, which is kind of where we're getting to be. So that's fourteen hundred dollars a month. All right. So how exactly? I'm going I'm to say for somebody, now the taxes have got to be in any kind of normal area. Well, I'm going to say Illinois is normal. It's got to be another five hundred, right? For in any kind of area like this, and I'm going to say in, a, in the burbs it might be a thousand uh, or eight hundred. So. So we're up to two grand, roughly, plus insurance, plus any kind of maintenance. Um, so you're talking twenty five hundred a month for for housing, for, for a mean person, not a mean a, a person in the mean salary. So if they're person with a mean salary, oh, and, yeah. and that includes some mean people. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so so now we're talking twenty two hundred. Let's drop another uh, six hundred for your hospitalization on top of that. It's three grand a month. Well, there's 36 right there, right? Not including any visits to the emergency room. So a person who's making, say, 52, they're probably not paying any federal income tax, but you're paying 15% of the, uh, for your, your, uh, whatever, your, uh, Social Security and the other stuff, right? So now you're down to 45, and then you gotta pay state income tax, so now you're down to, say, 43, and we're up to 36 just on your 600 a month and your house. Now, that dog doesn't hunt, Kevin. Does not. I'm just saying. So whenever housing prices get to where, you know, 15% of the people can afford, can afford the median house, we're talking 2007 levels. Everybody talks about the 2007, 2008, the banks did this, the banks did that. They did. But the simple fact is, the prices got way too high for the person, people that were in there. Uh, and uh, you know, and we're going right well, the, the result of some of the things the banks did actually, to, to be accurate, yeah. um, you know, was they just said let's let's put everybody into a uh, um, you know a, a, a balloon, an adjustable. Let's take low down payments. I mean, for, forget anything illegal that they might have done. It's just the uh, you know the uh, unethical advising that they did that set people up for. Uh, a day of reckoning that uh, that was just really uh, a real killer, um, economically speaking. Well, but people, there, there's always little games, and and, and if the uh, if it works out all right, it works out all right, <laughs> right? <laughs> in, in 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 my day, when you uh, well, when I was when I say in my day, when I was very young and we were buying houses, your mortgage rate could be twelve or thirteen percent. So in order to get it even there, you needed like a 20% down payment. A lot of people yep. didn't have a 20% down payment. But say the house was 100 grand, what you'd do is you'd buy the house for 105, and the person that you bought the house from would lend you the 5 grand back toward the down payment. Which, you know, of course now, according to Dodd-Frank, would be absolutely uproarious. You can't... Now now they make they make a house closing look like something out of... Uh, you don't know what. I mean, uh, and, I mean, Maddie just had his last one. Well, we get Audrey's friends on who are, are uh, mortgage people. If, if, if you get a, if you get a your down payment, they want you to basically bend over and show them everything on where you got the money. If your parents gave you the money, they want they want a affidavit from your parents saying it's not a loan; it was a gift. I mean, why is it anybody's freaking business, Kevin? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know where we're, where we're going with this, but the. Anyway, well, it's always been true. They, they've always had to have the gift letter. Um, uh, when he said, "How far back is always three dot Frank. I, I don't remember any of that when I was buying houses. I, I do, I, I do, and and it had to be 
because if 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 there was a loan, then basically your loan to value changed, and uh, and that was always part of the equation. So I I, I do recall that that was a, a big part of but it. But if it's a loan behind the mortgage, who cares? Uh, you know what? Um, the banks did. Well, the, the bureaucrats did. The people who want to be well, it, because because the, the next thing they need to know is what are your repayment terms. Because you know, theoretically, let's let's deal with this as the theoretical, not not the not the actual fact. But they want to know that you're going to have enough money to pay them, and they want to know um, that there's not going to be another lien on the property um, that that could be superior if it gets there first. So um, you know, you, you may you may have uh, you know your parents uh, uh, give you a loan uh, on the pro- uh, for the property, or you know, but. You know how families can be. Some families yeah. can be pretty, uh, um, you know, pretty dysfunctional. You get that loan to start, and then uh, if you're not paying it, all of the next thing you know, they're saying, "Okay, um, uh, we have a loan agreement, a written loan agreement. I'm going to put a, uh, a lien on the property, and that forces some actions with the bank because if the bank, with the first mortgage, wants to be superior on there, then they're going to have to start foreclosure proceedings because the second one's going to start foreclo- foreclosure proceedings." That's why they have that. That that's been around forever. Okay. All right. Well, I guess my, my the point is, we're not getting into detail. We're too late for that. Is that whenever whenever you your prices, which they're doing, and whatever your prices run by your your the average person in the, mid, in the middle of your country, you got a problem. And I think I think we're seriously seriously there. And even with all the the talking that people are saying, they're still not really recognizing how dangerous the danger area we're in, Kevin. And just Bothers the living bleep out of me. And yesterday, if you checked out the producer price index, God, we thought the CPI thing was a pain in the behind. This one's even worse. You know that the uh, the, uh, the the final the, the demand for for actually for uh, for goods year over year was you know the number was uh, what nine point two on average. I, mean, I don't know what this says. I'd love your opinion on this, or really any. The, the there's a huge split between goods and services. Final final number was what nine point two year over year, was that what it was yesterday the uh, the PPI and it was one percent on the month, one percent annual rate on the month. Yeah, one percent on the month, which means you know, annualized would be twelve percent. So right, so what, year what, over year is one thing, but they, you know where we're going, and as you know as has been discussed on the show enough times, um, this is this is the original wave of uh, uh, of COVID spending kicking in of. Of cash that we dropped into the economy, we haven't even gotten to the stuff from uh, um, you know, or, or maybe maybe just starting to get to the stuff um, from uh, uh, early 2021. Yeah, uh, Dan uh, will be on. In, in other words, it's only going to get worse. Yeah, Dan last week was saying they're just starting to let the contracts for the new uh, infrastructure bill out in Florida. He's pretty tight with that stuff because uh, he has. Uh, a lot of his investments are in some of the places that do all the asphalt work and things like that. So he says they're 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 just letting the contracts. I don't know if any money's been, if any, you know. I, I let's put it this way: brief brief sideline here. When I was in the uh, rail car business at Pullman, and I don't know, Kevin, you may be probably more of a of the the way you did a contract uh, is when you signed the contract, they ponied up. I mean, let's put it this way. There's two ways to do a contract. One is you 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 expect the person who does the the business the uh, whatever it is building a bridge, you expect the person who builds the bridge to finance the project. 
all right, which is probably not the best way to go because now you get, although today, who knows, they might want to favor somebody with that stuff, which means that you're going you're gonna to pay them sort of at the end of the deal. So all the, all the supplies, all the labor, everything, the person who does it, person or company, has to essentially get financing for the whole mess, and then you give them one check. Well, that's, nobody really does that on the, uh, on the well, not too many people really do that on the, on the government side. When you sign the contract, you come up with 10%. That's what the, was for railroad cars. And when the, the drawings were approved, it's another 10%. And when the first car was delivered, it was 20%. And you build in progress payments. You build in progress. So the idea thing. basically said that we're going to take the financing piece out of this. We're not going to give a uh, somebody who can get money at four percent a big advantage over somebody who, who gets money at six percent or whatever. So you take the financing out. So I'm guessing that when people do road work, that there probably are progress payments, and there's probably financing is not part of what you have to do. Just my guess. Um, so which means that what Dan was saying, they're, they're probably pretty close to the you know, the 10% or 15% on signing the contract number. But I'll ask him uh, tomorrow if he thinks anybody's really gotten those checks yet, which is kind of what your point is, Kevin. But here, here's the thing that, uh, to be honest with you, this is totally confusing me. Uh, so say the number is 9.2. The final demand for goods is 13.1, Kevin, which is huge. And services is only 7.7. So there's a big split in the PPI between the goods number and the services number. And I... I don't know. I, what does that mean to you? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that means to me. I mean, it seems to me that I, I guess if you're a simpleton way of looking at it, would say that if that that the barber is not being able to raise his price, his price for his services or the cleaners. No, I don't know if they're even in here. Barbers and cleaners as fast as the goods around them are going up. But but I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what that means. Do you? Yeah, I don't know how I, well, I have to think about it. How I how I'd interpret it, you know. Let's let's table that, and I'll give it some thought between now and Friday, and and do a little digging into it. But um, but I, I it it is an interesting phenomenon um, that you know that the goods have run up faster. Maybe it's maybe it's always been that way. I don't know that to be true, but you know perhaps it's always been that way. That you know that one lags the other. Well, clearly, I, I mean on a percentage basis, you're. Your price of gasoline has gone up a hell of a lot faster than price of legal services, right? So I guess it well, it, yeah, but that, you know that's individual goods. So let's let's talk about you know the goods in general. So yeah, price of gasoline's gone up, but price of uh, paper goods has gone up of of, of all kinds, and uh, uh, price of a can of soup has gone up. And you know, I'm just kind of you know taking myself visually up and down the grocery aisles. You know, the the, the price of Meat and and even poultry has gone up, and the you know so I mean, we're kind of going through all of it, and so at you know at that point, yeah, that's all the goods. Um, what kinds of services has you know has has the uh, bill for a checkup at the doctor's office gone up? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, has the um, you know uh, you know consulting services that people do has uh, has that gone up? Has um, you know, I don't know where you'd put education, but uh, I can tell you we haven't raised tuition. Um, in fact, if, if anything, we've we've been, uh, you know, where I work, we've we've incorporated books into the cost of tuition for nothing extra. Um, so, uh, which is which is actually a great deal for students because I don't know if you've, you know, if you if you'd ever sent a kid to college, you'd know yeah. that the the real appalling thing is what we paid for textbooks for the, for the kids. 
Well, I've uh, got we've got these numbers are are pretty dramatic for energy. Uh, uh, for let's see, final demand energy. This is year over year, twenty eight point eight percent. Government purchased energy, thirty six point six. Energy for export, forty three point five. So is that natural gas that we're shipping overseas, or what is it? Oil we're shipping overseas. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that is, but uh, uh, but this stuff is uh, it's pretty darn high. <laughs> it's it's uh, uh, but then you get down to. Uh, yeah, is energy in the goods category or is delivery services like? Uh, uh, it's in the goods. It's in, it's in no, Edison, goods. Is that is that a service? No, it's definitely final demand goods. And goods are uh, are foods, uh, energy, uh, those kinds of durable goods, private capital equipment for manufacturing industries is up one percent only. I don't know about that. Oh no, no, I'm sorry, ten percent. It's it's one percent of the basket. Uh, private capital equipment for non manufacturing industry up six point six. But the biggest one is energy for export. And, uh, and, and, like I said, it's 40 some percent. And, uh, and the, uh, but, but all the energy numbers are, are to the moon. And the services clearly are, uh, are not as much. So that's where, there's, there's where you have that. Gov- government purchase capital equipment, 13.36%. So they're, they're paying up. Uh, goods for export, excluding food and energy up 13%. So whatever, whatever that all is. SP is down 20 quarter. SP is down buck 75. Be right back. Stacks, stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding health care reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, 
Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. CognosHR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. <laughs> Welcome back, Stacks and Jacks. Tom House, she's Eliani on the board. Kevin, I just got a, a little thing for my buddy, some Pullman, way back in the day. There's these, there's this big bear and a little bear walking along, and a little bear goes, Daddy, what's the Super Bowl? The big guy goes, We don't know, son, we're bears. <laughs> just, just, just saying. God, S and P futures down four fifty. Nasdaq futures down thirteen and a quarter. Dow futures down thirty one. Over in Asia, we've got the Nikkei up five ninety five. Uh, again, these guys are coming off of our yesterday uh, big, big market moves, and they were down. They were down heavy earlier in the week when we had already bounced back up. So, all these markets around the world are kind of the timing are being missed when one's closed and the other one's moving. Shanghai up nineteen point six percent. Hang Seng up 363, 1.5. We need to kind of a, a flip. Maybe some, maybe Monday with the holiday, everything will even up or something, Kevin. Well, who knows? Uh, DAX up 3, we'll call that flat. FTSE down 23.3%. Kek around up 4, call that flat. Uh, again, yesterday Dow was up 422, S&P up 69, NASDAQ up 348. A nice bounce back after a three-day losing streak. Uh, again, when the announcement, a lot of it coincidental, the announcement that a rush, some Russian troops are moving back from the back to their bases. Now, of course, the Biden administration says they can't confirm that. So, not so sure who you believe here anymore, Kevin. Uh, bonds, uh, 2.04. That's unchanged. The Bund, uh, positive 0.30. Japan, positive 0.21. Either one of those have changed. They're all, they're all unchanged, really. Uh, oil, $93 up another buck. Oh, four, 93.11. Boy, we're pushing this oil big time. Rent up a dollar 13, 94.41. Natural gas up 22 cents, 4.52. Kevin, I got a lot of people in, uh, in these, some of these oil, in this oil spots, and I don't know, they, more people keep wanting to put in there, and I don't, I don't know if these are, this is too high here or not. It's yet another decision to be made. Gold unchanged, 1856. It came back yesterday, pretty much, it was down in the morning, came back during the day to finish actually up. Silver up 13 cents, 2347. Uh, copper up 2 cents, 455. And last but not least, our Bitcoin's up 54 bucks, 44,179. Eliani, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Good morning, everyone. Currently 6.35 a.m. on February 16th. Uh, let's start with sports. In the NBA, uh, Suns beat Clippers uh, 103-96. to And the Bulls will be playing the Kings tonight, so look out for that. Nothing to report for the NHL for Phoenix and Chicago. In college basketball, U of I will be playing Rutgers tonight, and Arizona State will be playing Oregon Ducks tonight. Weather today in Chicago, partly cloudy, 47, with a heavy, 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 heavy weather advisory today. We're going to have a lot of heavy rain and sleet and a lot of wind, so be careful driving out there. Uh, we're going to be partnered with that tomorrow with a lot of heavy snow, so please be careful driving this morning. 
In Phoenix, currently cloudy 54 with a high of 61, low of 46. And uh, they'll be having some rain today as well. Uh, in traffic, uh, we have traffic eastbound on 290 between the I-88 West Ramp and Harlem. Traffic eastbound 90 between ni- the 90 East Ramp and the 94 East Ramp. Uh, traffic eastbound on 94 between Greenview and Union. Traffic westbound on 94 between 130th and 83rd. And then that picks up again at 31st going to Milwaukee. And a bit of traffic, uh, pretty light for now, on uh, 55 northbound between Route 171 and Kedzie. And that's all I have for you, Chief. The, um, Kevin, as I dig through these numbers, uh, this is now the PPI stuff, which I don't normally dig through much, but since this one was such a a continual uh, sign of danger and an outlier, um, you, this this is uh, right up your alley here, bud. Uh, everything of uh, transportation and warehousing of finished goods, which is what you're always talking about, the uh, supply chain stuff, uh, up 16.4%. Transportation, oh, yeah, transportation and warehousing of personal consumption goods, 16.2, private ca- transportation and warehousing of private capital equipment up 17% in a year. Wow. That's unbelievable. Tell me what is, is it any wonder then that, um, that the unemployment rate is so low here with all the, the warehousing activities? Yeah. <laughs> They're just saying more and more and more. Let's do it. Oh, this is good though. Transportation. And that'll last for a while. Yeah. Now here's a good one. Transportation of passengers. For final demand, I'd love to find out what this means. Transportation of private passengers, th- that that part I get. That's up 14.3%. Transportation of government passengers, I get that part. But here's one. If, if we, like if Eliani wants to go to, say, Europe, and we uh, cancel her return ticket, does she fall into this category? Transportation of passengers for export. What the hell is that? Was I exported? I don't know. I guess if we don't let you back, you're exported. Transfer. Well, how, how does, how does that, hey. that deportation? Yeah. How does Rude. that? Become, <laughs> how does how does that become a line item? Transportation of passengers for export. Who the hell are we talking about? These are the few people left at Guantanamo. Who are we talking about? Uh, but Jesus he, <laughs> Christ! Yeah. But, but, how could that even be a line item? However, I did dig down. Get a load of this though. As if, uh, this is the part, I mean, I always talk, I'm sure, you know, who the hell listens, but I always talk about inflation. You gotta be careful because it's never even. Now get a load of this. F- finish final demand for services that are not trade, transportation, or warehousing are only up 4.4%, Kevin. So talk about the part that goes over to the, p- the fence last, right? Uh, they're not getting anything. So if you just have a regular old warehouse, uh, or you're just a regular old service person, you're not participating really in any of this stuff. Doesn't appear. I mean, it, it really is uneven, right? Yeah, but th- that seems to be normal. I mean, that that's that would be what I would expect. Is that you know, it's it, there, there's, there's going to be a mean and there's going to be standard deviations. That's the way distributions look. Uh, but I want to be in the part that's up 17, not the part that's up. Yeah, you definitely do. And if you if you were clairvoyant enough to uh, to see what was coming, then you could be in that part. How do we get into the exporting people business? That's up fourteen percent. Who gets to do that? <sighs> Human trafficking, man. You got to track that. I thought we trafficked them in for nefarious deeds. We do <laughs> Jesus everywhere, Tom. It's everywhere. It, it, is, it, it, it actually is. Everywhere. What a great business! What a great business! It's so good that even the BLS is going to track it for us. Oh God. <laughs> Maybe that's it. If somebody gets over here and they're not supposed to be here, we export them. Yeah, speaking of exports, um, 
let's let's talk Canada a little bit. Oh yeah, you know, I I'm still I had a dream about that last night, Kevin. I I am so stunned by that I can't even go there. I mean, you you got to explain it. Well, um, the uh, uh, Trudeau has, uh, and I believe he's the first one ever to do it. Has uh, has invoked the Emergencies Act to deal with the protests that he has going on. Okay, over give me one. Give me one, uh, one second. Country. Give me one second to and set the, this the one. The protests up. were uh, there was a, a large truckers caravan that went to the capital, um, and. Uh, and little known fact, the capital of, <laughs> of Canada is Ottawa. Um, and, and at any rate, uh, it started as, as truckers protesting the mandate that truckers be vaccinated. Um, and it has grown into basically all of the mandates that the Canadian government has, uh, imposed. And so this really picked up steam. And for a while, they had blockaded bridges over the, uh, you know, f- between the uh, U.S. and Canada, so that uh, no import/export could happen, uh, and, and so on. But it's it's all been peaceful. There's been no violence about it. So he he invoked the Emergencies Act what, two days ago now, I think, um, and said that everything um, was going to be uh, every act that they would take over this, and it's basically a declaration of martial law to some extent. And he said every act that he'd taken with it would be reasonable and proportional. And uh, then he handed over the uh, podium to his uh, finance minister, um, uh, Deputy Prime Minister. Uh, her name is Christia Freeland. Does she need to and, uh, she, she went on to explain that they are directing all of the banks to um, to freeze accounts of anybody uh, who is participating in the um uh, in the protests or who might be who they suspect of funding them and that there would be no liability that they could just go ahead and do it without court orders and uh, and so they're freezing up money and of course they've been trying to seize money from uh, they already shut down the GoFundMe uh, activities but uh, the, I can't remember the name of the alternative um, outfit that was accepting donations in support of them but they're trying to seize those funds as well so that's what's going on in Canada. Um, you know, while while uh, the rest of the world is starting to recognize that things are uh, subsiding, they're uh, cracking down, and I don't know what the next step is going to be for them because these protesters haven't left. They haven't gone anywhere since this declaration or since invoking this act, and um, and so you know they they haven't gone anywhere, and there isn't much left now. I suppose you know, like his next move could be what Macron did. In France, with protesters, I think over the weekend he just tear gassed them. Um, well, know, the, the, there's that. This is this is kind of kind of way worse than that. We we have uh, I don't know it's something that I bring up from time to time, and I I don't spend a whole lot of time on it um, because I, to be honest with you, I, I don't know that people are ready to listen, Kevin. But uh, in my industry. Is is dramatically on the front lines of this, which is, means the brokerage industry, because what you see—I mean, banking is probably further along. But we're kind of going down the same path. Is what happens is is the government is jamming all kinds of quote enforcement activities down into regular businesses that they don't want to enforce. Simple stuff. If somebody if somebody grabs something out of somebody's account, the banks are supposed to go after them, not the government. You, know, you call you call somebody, they're they're not, they're not gonna, they won't pick up the phone for God's sake. But it's also about, you know, the insidu, you know, the, if I were to hire somebody as a broker, um, well, I, you know, 
a couple of us on the firm, but my brother Dan is the compliance officer. If, if you paint a house on a Saturday and you don't tell my brother, and you know, that's an outside job. Well, you, you gotta put it on your U4. It's up to us to enforce what everybody does the rest of their lives other than the fact that when they're here being a broker. Granted, if you're out somewhere acting as a broker and we don't know what you're doing and passing out PTI cards, I mean, I get it. But something totally different that if you go, you know, race a stock car on a Sunday, if you don't tell us and don't put it on your U4, you could be banned from the industry and my brother could get, I could find him, suspend it. What? And, and if you race that car and win, you make money. And if you yeah. race that car and, uh, and you don't win play show, you know, you know, you're not in the money, then do you have to report it if you make nothing? Uh, it's, it's, if you make nothing, that, that's probably a trick question. I, I don't know. But I mean, it's, it's an outside activity. So I mean, what I'm saying this, this is, We've seen this. If, being, if I enter the chili cook-off next weekend, well, <laughs> is, it, it, is it, that it, an outside activity? There's, you know, there's prizes. I would win, by the way. Oh, sure, you'd win. You know what? You know what? Have you ever been in a chili cook-off? Uh, only uh, work-related, and I've never lost. Well, you know what you can't do in a real one. What's that? You can't put any beans in there. Well, I can if I want to. No, well, you know why you can't. Is because people can recognize whose chili it is by the kind of type of beans you have in there. Well, tough luck. Yeah. Anyway, tough luck. It, you know, it's coming. It's coming. My chili is bacon chili. It has three pounds of bacon in there, and it has beans, and it has. It generally have uh, kidney red kidney beans and black beans. See, I would be able to tell her it was yours. Yeah. Well, if I was a judge, and I would, they, they know they. So they just know who they were awarding first place to. That's all. So I mean, if I was a a judge. So they would be awarding first place. If I was a judge, you know, and it was this was Chicago, you'd slip the, you'd slip the Benjamin in my pocket, and you'd say uh, black beans and kidney beans, and I'd say okay. Goofy. <laughs> well, the bacon would be the big giveaway. Um, not as well, anyway, not as because right. nobody else enters uh, bacon chili. Um, actually, Doctor J cooked some last Sunday, and it was he puts a lot of bacon in his. It's a new thing. But if you're gonna do that, you got to cook it the day before and let it. Let it cool so you can skim the the, tie, the fat off. You don't want to just cook it the same day. Oh, no, 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 no. You want to stir the fat into it. It tastes really good. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I'm going to call this episode. But, uh, about no, what I always have to do is cook it, you know, the day before simmer it, you know, like overnight. And then uh, it usually has a little more kick to it than I want. So I have to sweeten it up. And that's that's when I chop up some fresh cilantro and put it in there just to sweeten it up. When I first made chili for a Super Bowl, this has to be 40 years ago, I went and got a book called Chili Madness. There's got to be 50 recipes of chili in there. But once you get past, like, recipe 30, you realize it's almost like Italian food. Uh, it's basically one pound meat, one one garlic, one onion, and then whatever else you want to do. It's like Italian food. Garlic, olive oil, and whatever else you want to do. <laughs> and it, and it, but then some, some there's there's no tomatoes in there. Texas uh, prison chili, there's no tomatoes. It's just chilies, uh, uh, beef, onions, and garlic. And a lot of chilies. Uh, some have you have tomatoes, some have beans, some don't have beans. But it all starts from the basic garlic, onion, and beef. Or pork, whatever you want to use. The same. It's like Italian food. Start with olive oil and garlic and go from there. <laughs> I mean, isn't it the truth? Basically. Anyway, yeah. uh, so just speaking again, of going from there, well, yeah, speaking of going what, from there, well, let me, let me, uh, back to Canada, where <laughs> does, where can he go from here? Well, let, me, let, me, let me say that then here, when we started doing the stuff about masks, you know, wearing masks and not being allowed to go to work if you're not vaccinated, it was sort of the same thing, where, where the government is pushing 
you could never have that kind of a mandate that would get through the courts on a federal level. But they tried to do as they said, we're not going to tell you you have to be vaccinated, but we're going to tell your employer not to let you into work unless you're vaccinated. It's all about pushing this enforcement down on other people, so that, and, and which I think is amazingly sinister. It's almost like the Nazis telling somebody, you got to tell on your neighbor. We're, we're not, we're not going to, we don't have people to tell on people, you got to tell on your neighbor sort of thing. And now, and I, and I was wondering, Kevin, how far can this go? Now, being in the industry, this, this lady yesterday, I was listening to her talk, I, you know, I, I, is there a way we could bring her out to the square and let people throw tomatoes at her? I mean, what, I mean, how could she possibly read that? If she's, if she's anywhere near a free person. She, they were talking about if, if PTI Securities spotted one of our clients on TV in one of these protests, we could, should, doesn't really say whether you had to or not, we could freeze their account and, and, and like, not let them trade and, not, and freeze their money. Who the hell am I to do that to somebody? That am I, and am I being forced to do it? I'm being asked to do it? It's okay for me to do it? It was pretty unclear that, that what if a firm doesn't do that? Now, are we liable? They said we were not liable for uh, if we did it to somebody. They didn't say if we were subject to government a government spanking if we didn't do it to somebody that we recognized. They, that part was a little wobbly. I did you catch that part? I mean, were we forced to do it or we could do it? Uh I, I I think they're pushing them. I, I think if the banks don't do it, um, and, and when we talk about what are their next moves, then they can start punishing the banks. Well, if now if, if a bank... And, and, and obviously, that's their inclination, isn't it? But if a banker had any balls, and I'll be blunt here, but he or she, um, balls being the, 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 the unisex number, uh, if they had any balls, they'd call him up and say, I'm not doing your dirty work. Get me out of this. So I'm not watching TV so these people aren't freezing their accounts. I don't want any part of that job. Screw you, whoever that lady's name well, is. And, and, and so that, that leads to the, the question of the police um, and uh, and where they fit in there uh, because they, they have to implement a lot of this stuff at the site. And there are all kinds of videos. I included one because I tweeted out about this right before we got started that we would be discussing this. And in many cases... You have the police who are out there hugging the protesters and shaking hands with people and all that, and they're 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 just not willing to do anything. Well, didn't this? He, you know, uh, uh, Trudeau is really trying hard to uh, uh, to turn, uh, you know, to get as draconian as he can with the citizens, and he doesn't necessarily have the backing. The uh, the prime minister of um, oh, which. Uh, which province is it? It might have been uh, Ontario, uh, but uh, um, the prime minister, yeah, the premier of uh, uh, Ontario, which is like the governor, Doug Ford, has just basically said, "No, we got to, we, you know, we've got to not do this." I'm we, not an so expert. We have, we have to get past all of this, and I, I think that's, you know, this is this is the problem. You have a guy who is just saying, "No, you damn well will do what I say you're going to do." And, um, and and he's not willing to relent, and he's really backed himself into a corner now to where I think um, six weeks from now he is not going to be Prime Minister of Canada. Well, two things, Kevin. I, from what Lou was saying last week, didn't this all start because there there was a, I use a, I use a Catholic term, a dispensation of if people who weren't vaccinated or uh, the people who couldn't go back and forth in other words, you and I, the listeners, could not have gone to Canada for a period of, what, 18 months? 
no matter what, even if we're vaccinated or what we were, we could not get in. And that's why, you know, the last year there was no hockey except the Canadian, Canadian teams played and the, and the U.S. teams played. So I think what happened was, uh, from what Lou was saying, I'll ask him again tomorrow, you might know the answer, is they came down on the truck drivers and stopped them. There was a dispensation for truck drivers for, for goods, essentially. You could go across the border and drop your load in, bu- in Buffalo even if you weren't vaccinated or if you're a U.S. truck driver, you could go over the bridge and drop drop your stuff into Canada. I think they got rid of that dispensation and said, unless you are vaccinated or do this or that, you can't go in even with your goods. And I think that that's how this started. So now they're bl- they're blaming. I think they're blaming the, the the supply chain disruption on the truckers themselves. When in fact it was them coming down on the truckers that stopped them from going back and forth. Am I right on that? I think I am. Yeah, you, you are right on that. By the way, the U.S. is in on this because uh, you know we we are issuing the same requ- requirements, and it's the same logic that people say. Well, you know, COVID, COVID is so bad it has our hospitals, uh, um, in a bind. When I look at the, I think we're, I'd have to pull it up to be sure, but I, yesterday when I looked, um, in, in my district, um, in Indiana, the, uh, uh ICU beds available is something like 24%. Um, which is where, yeah, so, first of all, Kevin, so if there's we, no, or if there's no, if it's more than 24%, the hospitals are pissed off because, they're very expensive to run, and they want them 80%. Oh, if it's more than 15, they're, they're uh, pissed yeah. off. Well, and the other part is I'm, I'm not an expert. Maybe maybe uh, Lou tomorrow, is, he's always an expert on these foreign country laws. Makes you suspicious of Lou, doesn't it? Anyway, he, uh, we're, we're, I've gone up to Canada skiing a few times, and we've spent some time up there. It's it's a lot, I, don't, I don't know how the degree, Kevin, but it's a lot different than here. I mean, if, if, you, if you're out in, uh, in British Columbia... That's your government, and then there's like the bleep from Ottawa, and, and there's, there's, it's nowhere near the, the connection between states and 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 the uh, I'll use the term federal government. I think the, the Canadian federal government is what, what would you say the power here is Illinois versus versus uh, Washington. It's probably seventy thirty Washington, sixty forty. I would say it's exactly the opposite Canada. I mean, the people go through their whole life not even worrying about the guy in Ottawa. So for them to be coming down like this is really an outlier, I think. I mean, it, I, I think it is too. Um, you know, they finished the thought on the hospitals. You have all the hospital administrators claiming about the difficulties of handling the load now. Guess who fired <laughs> all these uh, medical workers? Who didn't want to get vaccinated because they already had immunity from having had COVID, um, and then they then they complain that they don't have you know they can't keep up with the, the workload. And meanwhile, because uh, I, I talk to several nurses on a regular basis, I try to talk to nurses whenever I can. Um, but yeah, you're uh, introducing uh, yourself. You're telling I, me you're I, I talk to several nurses uh, regularly. They're all pissed off. They hate working there, and a lot of people are quitting because they think their their bosses are so disengaged from what they do. They don't even have the uh, the decency to show up and offer encouragement. You know, to come down to to where they're working and offer encouragement and see what's really going on. Um, they just go ahead and fire people uh, indiscriminately, and um, you know, it, because of course there there's a mandate to do that. And, and then they're just lousy bosses on top of it. Okay, and, yeah. You know, it, it's one thing to have a lousy boss when you can keep up with the workload. 
it's another thing to have a lousy boss when you uh, when you can't keep up with the work- workload. So they're you know not only have they fired people, but they have other nurses who are just quitting and saying you know I'll I'll either go to uh, uh, you know get involved with a private practice of some sort or I'll just stop doing it. And 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 this is you know this is where we are. This is where we are with all these mandates. Not only are they out of line in terms of overstepping their authority, but they're just stupid. Well, when you have this total com- uh, it, hospitals buying other hospitals, the, the constant every single time it seems like the people who are working for the old place to get bought by the new place. They, there's more work. People quit. People. It is scary. I mean, it, I mean, I doubt if the average citizen, unless you know, we fortunate or unfortunate, Kevin. I mean, we were in a position during this whole COVID, and I will, I will never stop thanking listeners for sending me various and sundry studies and things like that that I never would have found myself. Uh, and and I, you know, I was able to keep up on some of it. I mean, of course, I'm not the same as the Center of Disease Control, but I was kept the the amount of hospital administrators talking about how the ICU was was absolutely crazed and they'd have you know 20 ICU beds and they're now they need 22 and the ICU nurse are forced to work overtime they're laying off the rest of the hospital for God's sake Kevin I mean any, anybody in any kind of elective surgery they're all laid off the hospitals laid off more people than virtually anybody but the hospitality industry and then thought and, they'd all come back and be happy and, and welcome back and be happy I mean I, I I don't know what what management style this is but I know that there's been huge uh, combinations of hospitals here in Chicago. Where you talk to anybody who's in one of the hospitals uh, that has been taken over by one of the other ones. It was, I know uh, one of my, uh, well, John Lee, he's been on the show a few times. One of his in-laws, this is a long time ago. I I won't mention a place, but it's uh, it's named after a north, a north side uh, city, and everybody knows the name if I... They got, they got bought by, uh, I think it was North Central or some one of those places, North Shore. And I, I think he said they, he was in the MRI, MRI department and he, you know, ran the MRI machines. He said first thing he did was cut everybody's salary and, and raise the price of the, uh, MRI from 2500 to like 3500 while they cut everybody's salary. Like, come on, really? <laughs> really? I mean, it, there, there's, there, there are, are so many things that need to be looked at here, Kevin. It, it's, you know, it's darn near crazy. I don't, uh. Right. And that's, you know, that, that's just, uh, straight bad management and you can't blame COVID for that. What do you mean bad um, management? And, and, and honestly, you know, during this whole thing, what, you know, what can you do? What can you do is, uh, if you're not a doctor? Well, you know what? Bring donuts. Wait. Show up. Buy lunch. Oh, 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 bring in lunch. Uh, um, feed, you know, do, do good things for the people. Tell them that you're with them, um, as, to the extent that you can be. But they're so disengaged and, uh, uh, from, from the people that, that work there and, just annoys the hell out of me. What do you, what do you mean? Where, where, where's the part about, where, where did you get the part about bad management? Go on CNBC this morning, this morning and tell them you, you just cut everybody's wages and you, tr- and you doubled the price. That's good management. Where are you, where are you coming from? Yeah, I guess so. I, you know, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what I was thinking there. Yeah, yeah, I, don't know I, what I, I always say there's two things that offend me terribly, bad management and bad baseball. I think you were neat talking, um, you, were, you were thinking about all the nurses you're talking to. Are these, are they cute? Yeah, well, that could be it too. Yeah. Um, By the way, my name's Kevin. Nurses are cool people. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, at any rate, um, you know, you know, back, back onto Kennedy. He's he's got no place to go with this. Um, and you know, this is just you damn well will do what I say you're going to do, or else there is no negotiating, no discussion about it, no logic. 
this is just this new uh, impulse. And you know, it, look, it's it's coming from the left. Sure. Uh, I used to worry about this coming from the right, but at this time, it's coming from the left. Yeah. I always thought I had an ally in terms of you yeah. know issues of freedom and free speech and so on uh, on the left because uh, because that's where I go. But I don't, um, and it, it's. It's it's probably um, it, you know in my mind this is the worst development that we've had is that government even thinks it can do that. Well, you know, and I, I think being, they've all, they probably had more of that delusion than uh, uh, you know lately anyway. But this idea that uh, you know that they they can you know basically force all of this to happen because they say so. Uh, hell, that that isn't even you know I I stopped because I stopped buying into because I say so at about age eight. Well, uh, two real quick, and I'll let you go, Kevin. Uh, the, uh, one, one is the fact that they're pushing it down the chain even further than we try to do it here. I really hope the guy gets, uh, you know, enough petitions come where the guy resigns within like a week. The other thing is, I'm, I'm telling anybody who's here, Joe Biden, whoever the next guy is, do not give me that responsibility where I'm supposed to look on TV and see if one of my clients is there and freeze his account. Don't don't even go there because I'm not doing it. <laughs> Just saying I'm not doing it. Not my job, and even if it was, I'm not doing it. Yeah, shut me down, arrest me, do whatever you yeah. can do, whatever you think you can do, but I'm not doing that. The day I do that to somebody, that the day I do that, I'm not, I'm not talking about if, if, if they notify me that one of my... One of my clients, God, you know, I like killed four people, and I saw I saw him on TV. That's a different story, but this is not there. Yeah, but get a court order. Yeah, oh yeah. Then go get a court order. Absolutely, Kevin. Thank you very much. Talk to you on Friday. Maybe we'll talk some sports. Uh, by the way, is the Rams coach going to quit and go back to, to go to TV? Mm, would you? I don't know how good's a TV deal. Hey, hey, look! If you get paid really well to to do TV, yeah. good gig. Good gig. Good job. SP Futures down nine. Nasdaq Futures down thirty three. Be right back, Mr. Russell Rhodes. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. 
Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Something. Well, we'll slash chess. I'm tomorrow. She's only on the board. SP Futures down nine. NASDAQ Futures down 35. Uh, do we have Mr. Russell? I'm, I'm Mr. Russell. What's up, man? How are you? But, Dr. You, you, are you? But, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm supposed to, um, I'm, I'm not supposed to respond and say, unless you say Dr. Russell. Dr. Dr. Ah. Now, is it Dr. Russell or Dr. Uh, Rhodes or? Uh, Dr. You know, uh, it's, it's just that. That weird finance instructor from Chicago that everybody's talking about down here. Now, do the, the wife and daughters so, call you doctor? Uh, I I got a little. My my daughter likes to leave me coded messages on my whiteboard at home, um, and she calls me doctor dad in the coded messages. Well, that's you know, it's a step. Yeah, yeah. Step. At, least I, at least they recognize that I'm I'm you know around. You're something. Yeah. <laughs> recognize that you're something. Um, I, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I need your address so I can send you a graduation invitation so I can get, you know, you can give me a check or a Target gift card or something. Um, I'll give you a, a, a gift card to like White Castle or someplace. Oh, God, there's one down the street from me here. Okay. <laughs> I, think, I think you, John, I think I know what I'm having for lunch now. I can't believe you just did that to me. Uh, All right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, they are the little burger that keeps, that keeps with you for 24 hours or whatever they call it. Yeah. yeah. They are the best. The uh, hey, uh, real quick, I, I covered a lot of this with Kevin, but uh, the PPI number yesterday. What do you make of the uh, uh, the, the idea that the goods number was thirteen point three percent and the services was only seven point seven? And a big, big bifurcation there. Wouldn't there be in the? Well, that that's just it's not getting through the the inflation is on the hard goods before the, before you know it, it finally gets to where people are quitting their jobs. Like you guys were. I just listened to you talking about. Um, your healthcare job go somewhere else. Um, I think that you know the services is more directly related to labor, and you know labor wise, we're basically we're all unless you got a really nice raise, we're all making less in real terms today than we were three months ago. So the services side will catch up when the wages continue to catch up. If they do, oh, I think they will. They have to. They're, I, 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 oh, I taught. This was the last week was the last week of it. But I was teaching in the uh, graduate certificate in medical management program at Kelly. Oh, good for you. Which good for you. is just a wonderful group of people because it's healthcare professionals that want to get more involved and have a better understanding of the business side of things. And, um, I think out of the 20 people in that class, three of them switched jobs during the, uh, the 10 weeks that they were in my class. Uh, I'm going to say that when I took a class something like that from uh-huh. the University of Chicago, the the the, uh, the professor, uh, his his theme was that hospitals were run so much not like a business, they were run so screwed up, and I'll bet you that it hasn't changed much today. It's, it's interesting, and I'm... I'm I mean, these are these are some great. I really, really enjoyed teaching this class. They they called me off the bench kind of at the last second to do it, and 
I asked if I could do it again next year because I, I really I learned a lot about the healthcare system from them. Is there a textbook? Also, or do you have to, do you have a... they, I mean, their final project was put pen to paper and figure out if um, you know if if some sort of idea would actually make money or something that your hospital or your group is thinking about would actually make money, and they don't generally do things like that. <laughs> no. You know, they they have a, a in the business world. You have a good idea, and then you know, or it's SIBO. If if I had a good idea, or I thought I had a good idea for a way to increase the VIX volumes, there was a period of time where I could go in front of the CFO and say, "Here's how I think we should do it." And I, I think after we educate a new group of traders on using VIX properly, the volumes will go up like this. And here's how much of my time it'll take, and I, you know, need an extra ten grand to travel around a little bit. Um, and they would figure out, well, do we really think that he'll be able to get more people to trade this thing, and that revenues are going to cover the costs associated with, you know, doing it? Um, in the healthcare space, they're they're like, hey, let's just start doing something like this. Well, they uh... no numbers, nothing. <laughs> you know, so that that's what the class that, that that's what my class was was. Everybody came up with an idea, and that was their final project, and then put pen to paper, and some of them worked, and some of them didn't. Is, there a, is there a textbook, or do you, um, let's say, University of Chicago, a lot, most, a lot of the oh, classes shoot. were, uh, you had textbooks for a couple, but most of them were just a big pile of, of various research papers by, you know, 30 different people that you had to go through, and, and the guy pretty much lectured along loosely with those research papers in the background. Do you have a textbook for this, or do you have to create the we, class yourself? We do, and I'm looking for the name of it. I, I, I'm like, you got you should you should have given me about three more sentences to find it. Well, the reason why I ask uh, is, uh, <laughs> is is my our, our, uh, our buddy uh, uh, who's who's passed unfortunately, uh, Bob Golden used to come on the show, uh, Russell. And he was a mm-hmm. uh, he worked for a couple of the accounting firms and was deeply involved in like the invention of the double Dutch sandwich and all these. The things that these big companies use to evade taxes overseas. I won't say steal on them, but, uh, and he was involved in all that stuff. So Notre Dame asked him to do a, a graduate course in like international taxation. And he was an adjunct professor making like, you know, 1800 bucks for the class, which is pretty interesting because he had a bunch of people in there and they had some people at, at their outside sites at like five grand a class or four grand a class or he's paying, he's making like 1800. He told me it took him, Four months because there's no textbook, there's no anything. He just had to go back to all his research at the accounting firms and create the whole thing himself. Um, and I, I don't, I suppose, I'm hoping you didn't have to do that. Um, I don't mind creating my own material <laughs> that much. I really, uh, I don't, and I, I did for a, a good chunk of this class. But there is a textbook. It's called the Financially Intelligent Physician. Really. What they didn't teach you in medical school. It's by a guy named uh, David Norris, who is a, gosh, I've I forgotten exactly what kind of doctor he, he is. I know he's in, like, Wichita, Kansas. But um, he wrote a really good book about, uh, that came out, I guess the paperback edition came out in 2017. But it runs through, you know, the business side of things and, talk, and, and talks about, you know, how some doctors will set up their practices and have a, a line of credit with the bank and, not really realize that they're losing money every month <laughs> until it's too late. That, that that does happen every once in a while. 
Well, when you have so, to, it is it was, a good, it, was a, it was a really good book. It didn't teach like the technical skills part where a lot of these people had not even used Excel in the past, and I, um, you know, guided them through how to use Excel and some of the basic business things. And by the end of the class, they were all doing their own income statements based on assumptions around you know doing something different in their practice or offering this service or something like that. Well, Russell, who does? Who, who monitors? I guess there's a board, but who knows if they have any power in that? I mean, clearly there's a there's a board at Notre Dame, but I don't think they do anything except want to be on the board. I mean, in terms of control, who actually is control is a control in, in most hospitals of of, of the scratcho uh, money for that people not in the south side. I mean, who makes sure that if I if 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 I gave if I gave you know twenty million for you know some pavilion. That my money was only used for pavilion. It was not going to current stuff. That nobody get their finger in that pie. Who, who, who makes absolutely sure that 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 money, all, all these different contributions, everything for different things, all stays apart, and nobody can get a bonus based on it or any of that kind of crap. I, who, who, who's the who's the Solomon over all, all that at a regular hospital? Is there somebody who uh, you can trust to make sure that all the stuff stays separate or what? Well, there. It, 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 from what I picked up, I didn't really ask that direct question, but what I would pick up from, from folks that worked at a big hospital group was, um, you know, they, they would have a, a certain budget that would fund, you know, certain specific things. So uh, the impression that I got was there is, you know, the equivalent of a CFO. I'm assuming there is one. But um, that they really make sure that money that's in certain silos stays within those certain silos, and I think I think maybe they look at everything in, in they don't look at like the whole picture with respect to the hospital group. They just look at you know the different areas individually. So there there might be a lot, and I think that's the way it is in a lot of. Um, a lot of industries where you have an awful lot of red tape to get things done. You know, I mean, I'm, I, I don't think it's unique to the healthcare space, but well, I don't think it is either. But they, I mean, they would talk about their budgets and how they go about asking for money during class. You know, for for uh, my, the one that really always catches my eye, and it's the one that'll get you down a different path here, is the uh, drug research uh, or going through the clinical trials. Well, that's why because I'm, you I mean, put together a budget for the clinical trial, and then you get uh, you know you, you you'll get a grant from whoever's trying to get the drug approved, and you're trying to make sure that you cover all of your costs ahead of time. Well, that's kind of and, uh, by the way. But, but what's what's funny is I asked one I asked one person that was involved in that, and they said I said, well, do you go back afterwards and make sure it was profitable or not? And I don't think there was really a u- uniform process behind that. Well, I'm saying I can't imagine, other than maybe a university total, anybody with mm-hmm. with money coming in from so many different directions as a hospital. And let, even if somebody, it's going to sound awful, even if somebody was was totally honest, he was purer than Pharaoh's wife, as they used to say on the trading floor, uh, making sure that that the, this grant from a government, this grant from this person, this just just grant this this part to the general fund. I mean, if you ever. I mean, if you ever deal with like my buddies at Notre Dame, whatever it is, if if, if you come up with you know if you want to write them a thirty million dollar check, which I will never do, uh, they're they're going to try and lobby me to put that in the the general fund and they can use it wherever they want. I would never do that. Now the question mm-hmm. is, 
I'm going to say that a, a, a hospital, say like Northwestern, probably has money coming at them from 400 different directions. You know, in terms of they research. Do. My, that, that is one of my wife's former employers. So I am, uh, I'm, she, she was a drug research nurse there when I met her. Okay, and what I'm saying um, is keeping that all and, straight. And, I, and, it's, it's, and I do know, and also some groups are very profit motivated and other hospitals are not. And my impression is that Northwestern is very profit motivated. Well, now, but that, that brings up another. You know how when, when when I talk to somebody who's like a professor like you, every mm-hmm. every answer brings up another question. Oh, I know, and that's now when you say profit, what do you mean? There's there's profit like like you and I mean like we used to mean. Where if you, I, where if you're a trader, I think, it's, I think it's profit to reinvest back into the hospital. Okay, but I'm, I, so it's, like a, it's not you know it's not it's not profit to go go to investors or anything like that, uh, but it's profit so they can continue to uh, offer world class you know healthcare services, etc. So. You're, when you, they're, very, you're, you're, they're, they're very fixated on that. Okay, you're, um, all right, now you're defining, I'll define it for you. You just mm-hmm. defined it as not loss, so you can go forward and do what you're supposed to be doing. Right, but having enough earnings that you can reinvest back in. But with, with a little growth. You ever, I mean, you ever been over to Northwestern? Yeah. And I, the, the one off of Michigan Avenue that all the celebrities go to? Yeah, I'm sort of appalled lately, actually, with them buying places. Yep. And, and I, they're, they're the, new, the new style of medicine over there, the doctors hate it. Absolutely hate it. <laughs> yeah, but the place is like immaculate. Well, I'm saying they're making these Taj yeah. Mahals. The, the, the yeah. what, what percentage of the new place over there is is either patient rooms or stuff for patients versus walking by like pianos and all that kind of. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just. But no, what I'm saying is, no, it's a really, it's a, it's a really nice space. Yeah, that's where we're in. There, there's nothing terrible about that. Well, look at, but look at but, Rush. Uh, look at Rush. How how much mm-hmm. of the money in the building is is for patient care? The thing is, the thing is, like a government building, for God's sake. Yeah. Well, I'm just, no, but I'm get, I want to get back to this profit thing a little bit. Now, okay. I mean, uh, it, profit can mean a lot of things. I mean, it, at Notre Dame, they're, they're more money hungry than I've ever met. Yet there's quote no no profit, but it's mm-hmm. it, it's it's personal aggrandizement. It's 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 salary increases in the administration. But I got to believe that the University of Illinois, their drive for, shall we say, the extra dollar has to do with administration perks. It has nothing to do with uh, with owners, right? I mean, uh, Commonwealth Edison, do they really care about, about uh, do they care more about 20% raises through the through the top, or do they care about a 20% dividend increase? I'm going to say through the top. So it's, it's the term profit is becoming, uh, you know, it's like on the, the word S-H-I-T on the south side has about 40 different meanings. Profit's becoming the same way, right? <laughs> When I say when I again when I say profit for the hospital group, um, I think it does mean different things depending on uh, how your hospital is being run. Really do. Yeah. Where whereas you know a big university hospital, a big state university hospital would be different than a big private university hospital. See what I'm saying? So Northwestern would be very different than. yeah, you know, well, it's just an Indiana University Medical Center, right? And I and I'm, I mean, some some of the shift from doctors being the highest paid people in the place to administrators, 
Yeah, but there is no, there is no owner. And that's occurred in a yeah. lot of businesses. Yeah, there, but there is no, yeah. there are, there are no shareholders. So, but it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that the extra money doesn't get a portion somewhere. But it's not called profit. Mm-hmm. Am I right, man? True, right? Yeah, just re- it's it's basically you know you, public companies will have retained you know retained earnings and then what they pay out in dividends. Um, you know, a private hospital group or even a university hospital group is going to have retained earnings that they reinvest again, try to reinvest in the hospital to hopefully improve patient care. But look at the. I'll go outside of that industry for a second. What would you mm-hmm. call FINRA fines, which increases the salaries and gives people bonuses at the end of the year in FINRA? Now, is that profit? <laughs> what is that exactly? Yeah. It is if you... That's, mean, that, that's, that's uh, distributed earnings, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's something. I mean, I, yeah. I'm not so sure what it is. Hey, uh, I got a quick question. Not a quick. I'm uh, more of a detailed, because we have a few minutes, and then we got other stuff after the break, but... What uh, we had Mike on the other day finally because we had we've had Mondays holidays and stuff. By the way, it's not a holiday Monday. Uh, the behavior of the VIX. Uh, we talked you know, ad nauseum last summer about the mm-hmm. person who bought the what was it the how many bazillion uh, November twenty uh, VIX calls. The person bought it like five hours or something, and it was, mm-hmm. it was a forty-five million dollar trade. You know, looking for essentially the market. I'm going to say, uh, Russell, in the, in the sell-off we've had this year, even the couple mm-hmm. of quick ones we had last year, but the the idea that if I'm, instead of buying, I'll say, puts on the spider or puts on something to protect yourself on the way down, people were buying calls in the VIX with the idea that if, if we ever go flying down, the, the, the VIX is going to go to 70, and I'm going to make way the hell more on my VIX calls than ever would on puts on the spider or the Qs or the Russell or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say... That has not happened. We had a one spike to like 32 and it went right back down the next day. Even now today with all this stuff with, you know, wars and God knows what else threatened, we're still talking, you know, 25, 60, which is certainly elevated, but it's not, it's not a huge winner if you bought the 20, the 20 calls six months ago. And in fact, it might not be. No, it's not. And the thing that you're even missing on that one is, uh, the futures generally in those big moves up don't go up as much as the spot VIX. And that means that even, you know, even if VIX goes up to 30 or so, the futures have only been going up to 27, 28. So those calls don't pay off as well because they, they get their pricing off of the corresponding future. Well, for how many? So no, they, it hasn't worked. And, and that's the thing is, uh, I, I, I came up with a new analogy about how VIX behaves while you were talking. So, uh, let's say you and I are younger men. And we're hanging out at our favorite bar on the south side about one thirty in the morning. And we've looked the wrong way at somebody else's girlfriend. And the guy comes up, comes out of nowhere and cold cocks us. Knocks the crap out of us. The same situation. You're, you're looking at somebody's girlfriend you shouldn't be looking at. And a guy walks over and starts to have words with you and then hits you. Which one's going to hurt more? The one where you didn't see the punch coming or the one where you were a little bit prepared and thinking we're getting ready to fight? I'm thinking a little bit prepared and how much have you had to drink? And that's the thing is everybody already knows that, uh, you know, we've already had that, that surprise where we got punched once and then we're, and whenever we go through these cycles where we have the initial volatility event, uh, people are braced for more volatility events, but when you're prepared for it, 
it's not as dramatic on the VIX because people are, I mean, VIX is going to go up when people are, are running around trying to buy insurance using SPX puts and freaking out when the market sells off. If you've already prepped yourself for that, there's nobody else to, you know, there's nobody else to buy those puts and push the VIX price up. And that's why it's called the fear index. I really, if I could come up with like a, a word like, you know, a benefit where you put two words together, if I could come up with a good uh, fear and surprise, that's what I really think VIX is. Well, it goes back. You got to have the surprise. You got to have the surprise component. And everybody, you know, bad news is not cream in the market right now because we're all kind of prepped for it. Well, we're also. It, it goes back. If you really want to think of it, going back and how the statistics work, and no, nobody better knew because you've written books on it knows that that the math that people use as gospel when they start pricing options and warrants and God knows what else. We know is anything anything other than gospel, right? And it, it leads people to to very bad conclusions, all right. And, and one of the first I learned, and the, the hard way, uh, one of the first I learned was if you had a before there was a VIX, if you had a stock that had a an implied volatility of say forty, all right. Now that's uh, going just just for 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 bleeps and and, gig, and giggles, a stock like IBM, you know, if you went back in history. Probably has an implied volatility of what sixteen, sixteen and a half, seventeen over history over time, somewhere in yeah. there. So, but it, so it's it's, it's yeah. not very volatile. So, so figure something that you know that's it, three times that is forty eighth, right? So, uh, you're, you're you know you're, you're talking about something that moves is more likely to move on a given day more than the other. But somehow in the in, in the psyche of people, they assume then that the one that moves more during the day is much more likely to move. One percent up and down than say IBM. It's three times as likely. Uh, that also, it's more likely to have the really outsized move of like you know whatever three 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 standard deviations or more. And that's really never been the case, has it? I mean, your 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 stocks that quite doubled in a takeover or something. It could be just as likely to be the world's sleepiest stock with a volatility of twelve as one with a volatility of eighty. Right? I mean, there, 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 there's kind of no. There's no no correlation or very little correlation between the all of a sudden everything moving more on a day to day basis like it is now. I mean, people right now. I'm going to say right now the VIX. And correct me, Professor. The VIX is saying, "All right, we're going to keep moving one and a half to two percent during the day at every little governmental or worldwide piece of news." But doesn't seem to anybody that we're going to have a ten percent move one of these days because it's not priced that way. I don't think is it? No, it's not priced that way. So get ready for the for the for the the part we've been going through. Every day you make an adjustment. Every day you make an adjustment. But you know, it's it's not telling you that one of these days we're going to walk in and you know, and Putin's sitting in the in the in, in, you know, on top of the palace in Ukraine. At least not this week, is it? Right. It's it. No, it's not. It's not fully priced for that. It's never been fully priced for that. No. But the big big outlier moves. That's it's. It's interesting that you bring this up because I, you know, now that I finished my PhD, woo-hoo, um, I get to do the research that I want to do, not the thing that they're saying I have to do for my dissertation. And one of the first things I'm doing is I'm looking at the implied volatility of individual stocks and, comp- and comparing it to 
what kind of realized volatility we get and seeing how accurate it is and then breaking it down by liquidity and a bunch of other things. But I'm just in the beginning of doing a study on that. So I will report back. Well, way back in the day when Marty O'Connell and those guys used to do that. Who was the yeah. guy who, who was the guy who brought the, uh, oh God, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Every month he would come out with a, with a volatility list of all the listed stocks. Of course, at the time there was only 100 listed stocks, so it was easy to do. Mm-hmm. Easier to do. Uh, and he would predict, you know, IBM would be 16 and a half and, you know, GM might be 17 and a half. I mean, these were the ones where if you could put positions on or, or spread, option spreads on that, Say tested to a thirty vol, and his prediction was seventeen. Or if a, if, mm-hmm. if the implied volatility was thirty, you tried to put a a vertical spread on that that maybe tested to a thirty five, but at a thirty. And the idea mm-hmm. was that that volatility was too high, and if you were a seller, it would come down. And all of a sudden, if his if his estimate was twenty, and you could find one, you could get a implied volatility of a twelve. Well, then you went long premium in there, and that's that's what we did for a long time when I first started, Russell. And I don't think anybody, I don't know if anybody mm-hmm. does that anymore. Because there is no so there is no quote single predictor guy that does all that stuff. I forget what his name was? Was it? Uh, wasn't the guy from uh, University of Chicago? Was it? Was it? Uh, I, don't I don't know. know. It was one. But he would come oh, out you're, every month. You're in, there, you're in there before my time right now. I mean, we came out of one of the firms. I don't know, it was Goldman or someplace. They had hired one of these professors, and he was. But everybody would think that there was that you know that that was the number, and you would price everything off it. And uh, and mm-hmm. but but now I mean everything kind of. I mean, you still can figure out what the, but there's a million different formulas and a million different, uh, iterations, but the bottom line is that it's, it's a number that just moves around and it's a, but anyway, they, what they found is the, the best predictor was, uh, if you went back, you know, months and years before, that it, it, the, a lot of it was the last month, a little bit less was the month before, then maybe a little before that, and then it didn't really make any difference, but there was, and then there was a big chunk of the, of the whole, all of history. In other words, if, if IBM is, is trading a 21, last month was a 20, and historically had been a 20, had been a 17, that the best predictor for the next month would be like 40% of the last month, 40% of the 21, like, you know, 30% of the 20, and then 30% of all time. That that was the best predictor of the next month. And it was, you know, it was like the recent past and then all history. That, that's, that's the conclusion they came up with then. It'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. if you come up with to- something totally different or if that still kind of holds true. I can run that one fairly easily. Alright, well let's, let's worry about it after, uh, <laughs> after a break. Ask me if you have yeah, I've, I've, I've done something similar where I compared, uh, Vix's predictions to, uh, using history to, to predict and, History is actually a little bit better. Recent history is actually a little bit better than Vix in predicting uh, what kind of volatility was or what kind of movement we're going to get out of uh, the well, S&P 500. We're leaking a little bit here. Down, uh, S&P is down 10. S&P is down 40. Be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each 
new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know. All while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single-family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, welcome to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Hoskey, Eliani on the board. S&P futures on this very nice. It's a very windy, but it's going to be a warm day today. Give us some of the snow. Only, and we're going to replace it with more snow. Is that the story? Anyway, yeah, re- something like that. Anyway, retail sales surged 3.8% in January, much more than expected amid inflation rise. Import prices were 2%, pretty darn high. So trying to figure out what the uh, retail sales are actually down, I think, in December, which is weird. Um, so those numbers are, are bouncing about. The anyway, recipe futures down on 350. They bounced up 7 with these retail sales numbers. NASDAQ futures down down 19. And Dow futures down 53. So... Not much going on. Uh, we're down, a little bit down after a big update yesterday. Nikkei up, Nikkei, these guys are all playing catch up. Nikkei up 595, 2.2%. Shanghai up 19.6%. Ang Sang up 363, that's 1.5%. Uh, so big, big rally over there. Europe, uh, DAX down 16. Now they were up big yesterday. 0.1%. FTSE down 20.3%. Kek around up 2, call that flat. Yesterday is a way of review. Dow down. 422, S&P up 69, NASDAQ up 348, so big update. Uh, bonds, unchanged at 2.04 to 10-year. Bund, uh, 0.29, and Japan, 0.21. Uh, oil, 
Up a dollar nineteen, ninety three twenty six. I might be gonna lose my bet that we're not gonna go to hundred. Looks like we're headed right there. A brand of a buck forty two, ninety four seventy. Natural gas up twenty six cents, four fifty seven. It's a huge move. That's a six percent move. Natural gas. You don't see that too often. Our bob up a penny, two sixty eight. We've got gold now up ten cents, eighteen fifty six. Uh, it's just below the eight month high, but right there. Silver up four cents, twenty three thirty eight. Copper unchanged, four fifty three. We have Bitcoin now down 309, 43,816. That's time we looked, it was up, but now it's down. Eliane, what do you have for us? Traffic, weather, sports, wind, wind. Lots of wind. Good morning, everyone. Currently 7.35 a.m. on February 16th. Let's start with sports. In the NBA, Suns beat Clippers 103-96, to and Bulls will be playing Kings tonight. Nothing to report in the NHL for Phoenix and Chicago. In college basketball, U of I plays uh, Rutgers tonight, and Arizona State will be playing the Oregon Ducks tonight. Uh... We have a lot of wind in Chicago coming up, wind and rain today, but thankfully the temperature is nice and warm, 48 degrees with a high 51, low of 29. Uh, be mindful that we will be having a combination of rain and snow starting at around 10. It's going to start snowing pretty heavily in Chicago, so be careful of ice. Uh, Phoenix, uh, currently partly cloudy, 54 with a high of 61 and a low of 46. Uh, this morning in Chicago traffic, thankfully no accidents to report on the highways, but lots of traffic to look forward to. Uh, we have traffic eastbound on 290 between the 88 West Ramp uh, all the way to downtown approaching the 290-94 construction intersect. Uh, more traffic westbound on 290 between Costner and First. Traffic eastbound on I-90 between the 90 East Ramp and the 94 East Ramp. Traffic westbound on I-90 between the 90 West Ramp and Harlem. Traffic eastbound on 94 between the 94 East Ramp and Roosevelt. Traffic westbound 94 between 130th and Marquette. And then we have a pause, and that picks up again between 47th and Throop. And a little bit of traffic northbound on 55 between Route 71 and Kedzie. Please be careful driving this morning, everyone. Back to you, Chief. So, uh, Russell, how did you how did your boys oh. manage to snatch a defeat from the jaws of victory last night against Wisconsin? Oh, uh, they, they was the coach wearing a suit? I don't know. You were, they were leading it's all so the way. It's so funny. In. They haven't lost a game when the coach wears a suit. When he shows up in sweats, they lose. It, it, it had to have been the suit. Well, they were. They just but beat. They I'm just, man, the Big Ten's tough. You know, it's the the Big Ten and the and the Big Twelve and and even did did the Paul end up winning last night? Uh, that I don't know. I, I, they were close too. I mean, close, you know, yeah. Paul, which I think they might a lot of people forgot they were around. For basketball, they they kind of doing well as, as well, but They're there's a, a lot of parity in a handful of leagues in um in college basketball, and, and Big Ten's one of them. Anybody can beat anybody. Well, your boys had just beat Purdue, who was the number one team, and last night. Yeah, then we lost. Uh, we lost to Northwestern, which is how do you do um, that? But five guys broke curfew, and he sent them home before the Northwestern game. That's right. Well, and, well last night I I don't know any more than anybody else. Last night uh, you were leading uh, the whole way in the yeah. second half, and then, oops at the end, oops. Yeah. Just saying. Hey, I got to push back. As somebody who was on the other end of this, don't worry. Now you can't. Every time you uh, you try and speak like a tenured uh, high rise yeah. professor, I'm gonna have to remind you of this. Uh, all right, don't worry about it. It's all it'll all even out, right? Well, I'll tell you what. When I was uh, at Pullman, it never evened out because the guys who were the union guys had a Escalation clause in their contract, and me as a, a, sh- a schmuck uh, financial analyst did not. And I'm going to say that three years at Pullman, 
the inflation rate was probably 9 to 10% per year, so say 30. And I'm going to say my total raises were 15. Because I didn't have an escalation clause, and they had a 5% cap on all management, yeah. which I was. So I'm going to say that if you're... That, that's why, one of the reasons, you have the great resignation. The only way you ever catch up is to, is to quit and go somewhere else. You never catch up. You think, how many people no, this year... Uh, <laughs> no, that's, that's why people quit and go elsewhere. When, how many people uh, this year and, do you think are... Gonna... That, that's, but what, what's also going to happen is companies are going to start doing things to make sure people don't quit and go elsewhere. But they're... The, the, you, you, yeah. you sound like a, a Federal Reserve governor. I love giving you grief. <laughs> I mean, we we know we've had to do something for ten months, and we're we're just thinking about it. You know, it's like for God's sake, if you're living above me and your and your uh, and your bathtub is overflowing, please turn it off. Don't have a meeting three months from now as the weather to turn it off. Mm-hmm. Just saying, you know. I mean, it's you know, it's an odd way of putting it, but you know, but you know, I, uh, I if if you think that your people have been accosted by a 10% inflation this year. This, the first thing you do is on January 1st, you say, you know, before we even talk raises, everybody's going up 10%. Where do you think that's happening? Nowhere. Uh, nowhere. Well, it's, it's happening in pockets. And I think, again, I think that you, you started off asking me the difference between uh, the goods and the services yep. part. And the services part's going to catch up. Um, and part of it's because... But the prices for, because generally, you know, you, you go through the annual review and all that other kind of crap, and uh, you get your raise in January or February. So those things are going to start showing up. But people, were, when prices were going up in November and December, people weren't getting paid more yet. Um, I'm going to say. Well, I think it's just a, a matter of the calendar. I, I, I really, I, 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 I have a book that, and that's uh, why I don't think, and that's why I don't think inflation's going to go away as quickly as a lot of people think. Because oh, I'm with you on that. It hasn't it hasn't hit the wage side yet. When it hits the wage side, people will be able to people will be a little bit more confident in buying stuff, and it'll just be a, a bad cycle. that I'm glad I'm not on the Federal Reserve Board trying to fix. Um, for those of you who listen every Wednesday, and I think we have a big group on Wednesday that does. To uh, you and I jousting back and forth out of these economic, <laughs> all of these economic principles. It's it's not just me, me, Russell, and I. How's that? I'll say it correctly. Loving to joust with each other, which we do. There is there is a difference in our background, our economic background. Russell has come up the side of the business economics, and and he's really involved into the, uh, the stuff from uh, you know the, the vixes and the trading and things like that, and has written books on it. I my economic background is in the. I'm going to say the the pure theory part. There, there was a business economics major at Notre Dame, and then there was an economics major in the arts and letters, and that's what I took. And at the University of Chicago, I was about half and half, Russell. I did like half of the part where you guys, where you are. The other half, I was doing the stuff over in the, you know, the, the guys that were economic theorists kind of guys. And I'm not saying which is right or wrong, but but there is a difference. There definitely is a difference. I mean, now in a, in a, in a theory of in a price theory. I'm going to say, if you and I dug out my old book, if you can still read it, uh, if it isn't yellowed by age, uh, I'm going to say that the person who's like the barber, okay, who is in the service industry, the cost of his inputs are going to come up some. His rent, his, yeah. and, uh, and the price of uh, 
the hair tonic or whatever they squirt on your head. I guess that's hair tonic or whatever. <laughs> whatever. Of all, all the, the inputs to barberdom, you know, blades and... If, if that goes up, I'm going to say that on my side of the economic theory, as, you, as your costs bump up, okay, and you look at your, and you get your demand curve, okay, which maybe creeps up a little because of the inflation, I'm going to say that you never totally catch up because... The, the price of the stuff that's coming to you, if it's 13%, I'm going to bet mm-hmm. you, you end up at the end of the year raising your rates 9 or 10, because if I went through the, if I could still do it, I went, went up on the blackboard and did it, I'm going to say you never eclipse all that money. You, you, you end up eating a piece. In pure economic theory, you eat a piece. Unless yeah. the demand for your services goes up more than, than 15%, and if everybody around you is only getting a raise of eight percent, and your and your the cost of hair tonic goes up thirteen. You're you're never going to get the 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 fourteen percent increase you need to be even. You're never going to get it. You're gonna you'll be a little less. Now, you'll be okay. You'll be all right. I mean, you're gonna you'll be able to raise it some, but your demand curve. The, the fact that the people's salaries around you that is your that is your demand curve um, is not going up as fast as the as the as the, your supply side. You're gonna end up. You're gonna end up eating a piece of that. You'll you'll never get your service up to where those costs go up. I'm just saying, according to price theory, I think I'm right there. Um, am I or not? Am I right or not? Um, no, you're absolutely right. It, it, it does it does feel like that we, uh, you know, are constantly falling behind. Now, if you happen to live in a neighborhood where everybody's salary is going up twenty percent, well, now the world is your oyster, right? Yeah, yeah, but. Most of us aren't. No. So I mean, no, we're absolutely not. No, I mean, it's, no, it's it, it's going to be an issue. You know, we we live through it, um, and I, I know we we go back to living through it. But for the longest time, you know, what ended up happening was everybody became two income households. Yeah, which that's I mean that that's the the shift to two income households was because you, you just couldn't get by on one income anymore after, uh, I would say, after the uh, late 70s. But you never really get to yeah. be a two-income household because a lot of what the person who used to stay home, and it used to always be the lady, but now it's not, uh, the, the person that stays home does child care expenses that, that don't get paid for. They, they cut the lawn, which, you know, instead of paying somebody to cut the lawn, they may even paint the place instead of paying somebody to paint the place. So you never actually double up, right? Right. Yeah, I have a question for you. It's, you do everything you can, and it's a freaking nightmare to try and keep up. Yes. That's exactly right. <laughs> so, I mean, you pretty much described everybody's day-to-day life. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> well, that's what, isn't that the theme of the show, or you wouldn't be here? It's, we're talking about yeah. regular people. Yeah, I got yeah. a... A serious question for you, though, and this this might be one for your class, actually. If you did, I'd, I'd, I'd brush up these numbers a little bit where I can barely read my own handwriting. Um, mm-hmm. I went back, and I, I don't know if I asked you this last week. If I did, well, I, I'll do it again, I guess. Um, if you look from uh, 2012 uh, to 2020, I got the money supply grown at about 7.3% annually with, with you know, with uh, uh, whatever. I, could, I would say that the... A published inflation rate was one and a half, which to me is all bull bleep, because I think they they missed the hospitalization part. Where I'm not going to throw that again, but from 2020, 
February through August of 2021, we, we're, we're doing like a 20% annual number. And we actually yeah. we actually went up 38% during that period. And since August of 2021, it's dropped to 15, 14, and now last month was like 11.8. Now, all this stuff has a lag to it. And you hear people say six months, you hear people say 12 to 18 months. You know, I, I don't. I, well, I don't know. Even though I, I, I think I'm a monitorist somewhat, Russell, I've never been able mm-hmm. to put. I don't know that it's always the same number, the lag to this, but there's a lag to it. And now we're down to like 11. And, and now the, 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 the inflation rate that they're now publishing is essentially 10, pushing 10, right, or nine, nine and a half, ten. If you look at the last three months, where do you think along this curve are we? I, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I mean, are we still getting the bulge from six months ago when we were just pouring money in like there's no tomorrow, or or, or twelve months ago? Is it, or, or are we close to being down to last month, which let's say we're having three percent real growth, uh, and we'll have an eight percent inflation, which is a lot less than than the than the eighteen or nineteen we would be getting eight months ago. In other words, are we just starting down this? Not starting. Are we thirty percent down the road, or we should expect some? 1.1, 1.2% months for a while before we drop, drop back down to 0.8 or something. Where do you think we are? I, I, I have no idea. I think I, you, you threw that 30% number out, and that's exactly what I was thinking before you said it. Was I think, I only think we're about a third of the way into it. And this, this is the behavioral part that I, this is what I, you know, in general think is going to happen. So the cost of the hard stuff has gone up. And, we're, uh, you know, individuals are starting to see it and starting to feel it. So we're going to go ask for raises. We're going to need raises. The labor market is extremely tight. Uh, so people are making more money. Uh, also, during the pandemic, uh, believe it or not, people's, and part of it probably was due to the government giving us some money, but on average, uh, the cash balances and checking accounts went up tremendously over those two years. And I think part of it was people who never had had a safety net before felt like they needed to have a safety net in case we, you know, much like what we talked about in the first half hour about VIX. You know, nobody was really prepared for what happened in March 2020. VIX went nuts. Uh, we get sell-offs since then uh, because people have somewhat of an awareness you're not getting the same sort of reaction, you know, out of VIX. Well, so individuals have a little bit more of a, a cushion than they've had in the past there's money to be spent, and if people start to look around and see prices going up, um, there that that economic theory where if you think prices are going to go up, you're going to spend money now instead of trying to save it now. We haven't reached that stage yet. We haven't reached that stage, and we haven't reached the stage where we get real wage inflation. And I think the real wage inflation will be the second third of it, and then uh, people rushing to buy stuff before it gets too expensive is going to be the final third of it. And I can see that playing out over the whole course of 2022. I mean, I, and, 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 okay, so let's say eight and a half. And, is- you wanna, and, and whenever we've had these situations, the only thing that has really ever gotten us back to some normalcy is a freaking um, um, financial market correction. And that's uh, just yeah. what's going to have to happen. I would, uh, unfortunately, and I, and I, unfortunately, I do think that that's coming. Uh, the Fed's going to do their very best to try and control the inflation thing, but eventually, if they really want to get it under control, they're going to have to uh, they're going to have to take actions that will probably 
make our economy screech to a halt. Well, two things you just brought up that I have to dig a little deeper on. First of all, uh, so let's say 10% a year is, is what, 0.85 a month or something like that? Multiply that by 12. Yeah, yeah, because all right, so, it, yeah. All right, so the last month was what, 7 point something, uh, 0.7 something. Well, if, if, if you were to say, put, put a number on your prediction. If you were to, let's go out 12 months. If you think we're only 40% through it, do you think we're going to do 1, 1. 1.2, 1. 1.4, 1. 1.5, and then start coming down? Or do you, where do you think we top out on a month? Monthly, I, I think if they ever if they ever incorporate the housing stuff, which is not in there at all yet, we could see no. a one point five month easy, and that boy that would that would be a that would be like a fart in church, wouldn't it? Well, and here here's the one that's going to get you all up in arms. I think we're in one of those years where they rebalance the basket, and if you do that. You can make the numbers not look as bad as the reality, Boy, which we already know the numbers don't reflect the reality. But so, somehow, how long can they push this? Now, how this this housing being wrong? They've got last year, last year, this year, four percent, and it's supposed to be what twelve, fifteen, or something. Oh, either way. Right, uh, I, I think they can they they can continue going down the road that they're going down because I mean, who's going to make them change for one? Well, I think. I think people not believe in it. I mean, right now, I, I could have talked to I was blue in the face about the hospitalization number not being big enough or whatever. Right now, it's right in front of his face. Gasoline, for some reason, is 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 ten percent or is five percent of people's budget. It's ninety percent of their awareness. <laughs> Plus, I think I think the utility bills. I don't know where you're in Indiana. Everybody in Illinois are, are, are I'm going to say are absolutely ignorant. Illinois government, and I don't care what what whether it's a Democrat or Republican. They, they, they see their, their counterparts in Washington trying to tell people that the inflation's like 2% and would they, would they, would they approve 20% utility increases? 15? I mean. All, all I know is I got my first $500 plus utility bill this last month. Yeah, it's, 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 it's spectacular. Yeah. I mean, and how, how, what planet are they on? Do they not read the papers? Anyway, well, you just mentioned the part about people having, uh, money, government money or whatever. By the way, you don't know how, how right you are. Uh, you don't uh, don't ever look at this U.S. debt clock because all it does is make you angry. Uh, savings per family. This is cash, available cash. Two thousand and eight was like three thousand. All right. Now it started to go up in two thousand and twelve. It was uh, it had gone up to uh, eight thousand. I mean, two thousand eight. We're in, we're in a world of hurt, right? So two thousand and twelve, we started. We were up to up to eight. All right. And now in two thousand and sixteen, we. Uh, I don't think we went up in those four years. No, we're exactly the same number, 8,000. Now, today, uh, the number is, and this is the part I, I, I don't know the answer to this. I'm, a, I'm axing you. Uh, today, the number is 17. Okay. But, okay, yeah. well, stop, stop for a sec. Guess, guess, guess where it spiked four months ago after all those checks came out and all the PPP and all that stuff? Where did it run up to? It ran up to 50. And the average really? state was yeah, I knew that. I, I I knew the number was was incredibly high. Um, well, there, there's, and, there's and I totally and I totally associate that with the with the uncertainty around the pandemic, making sure you know it, when you teach personal finance, and I and I'm on topic. I swear, when you teach personal finance, I, and and I had a professor that I took twice in in undergrad who would go through this. 
he would say, you, you should have six months set away, set aside somewhere, just in case something really bad comes along. And I, you know, I never consciously did that. Nobody I can do never it. Did, you know, I, and it's because nothing bad ever really happened. Nobody can do no. it. No, nobody can do it. No. And, and it's also, you, you got to be living frugally. If, you know, if you've got like the uh, the millionaire, and we had a guy, we had a guy that was getting paid extremely well um, by Sibo, and he lived in um, you know he lived in one of those blue collar neighborhoods on the northwest side because he was he was you know not not spending what he was he didn't spend what he made like a lot of other people. You you can have um, you can he have uh, correctly. You know. Well, let's finish this up real quick. We we but we've gone from I'm going to say we ballooned at fifty. This, this is an average now. This is not a mean. So I mean, there, there's there's a lot of people that owned, you know, barber shops, restaurants. Not so much the barber shop, but the restaurants. They got like a three hundred thousand dollar PPP check, and they were open and not and not losing dough. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were writing people's personal. So where else is going to go? It's going to go in a bank, right? Yeah. I mean, but I mean, we, but the the precipitous decline from the fifty down to the seventeen leads me to believe that a lot of that money is getting burned off, Russell. Yeah, it is. It is, and and I, I think you know maybe maybe people are spending quicker than I thought they were uh, because of inflation. I have, you're, you know, you're, or they're or they're they're not spending it because of inflation. They're spending it because they have to. And like you said, gas prices the one that's in our face all the time. Um, you know, I I I'm, I can't remember the last time I didn't spend over a hundred bucks when I was filling up my car. How do you spend a hundred bucks? I mean, under, under. I just said that backwards. Yeah. Oh yeah, under. Well, I've mean, got a giant tank. You and I both are, are gas guzzlers, and I've, I've been told I have to use the expensive stuff. But um, why? Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm typically in because I'm driving back and forth to Indiana. I'm filling up fairly frequently. Um, what kind of one percent of car? I couldn't imagine if I was living check to check and and that expense popped up on me. What kind of what kind of a one percent car are you using? Where you got to use premium. Uh, Porsche Cayenne. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> I bet my tank's bigger than yours. 42 gallon. Beat that. Uh, oh, you got a 42 gallon tank? I, I've forgotten how. Mine's, mine's in the 20s. Um, yeah. I know that. It's like 24 or something like that. So if gas is anything over four, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm getting a triple digit, uh, credit card. Oh, so your, so your friend who said you should have six months expenses in the bank. All right, let's uh-huh. go through the math here, and let's talk about which part of the economy he's talking about. Now, if if you or me, or I mean, I don't, maybe not so much me. I'm not a professor, but uh, if in the people, let's say we hang with, put six months in the bank, um, I'm going to say that's uh, um, a, a reasonable number. All right, now if, mm-hmm. if if our guys that I just talked about earlier that are making you know fifty one grand a year, so they're paying their own insurance. And have a thirteen thousand dollar deductible or twelve. If if they were to put, uh, you know, fifty per six months of of take home, home would be like seventeen grand. That's roughly their medical deductible. It gets you what one emergency room visit. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it we're, it, doesn't, get, doesn't get you a whole lot. That's for no, sure. No, it sure doesn't. It, I mean, let's put it one one transmission and one emergency room visit, and you're toast. Yeah. We're not even talking about eating for six months, are we? No, no. But 
Yeah, that I, I do think people uh, part of the increase in the savings was uh, people realizing they should have had a safety net. But as this thing gets in the rearview mirror, you know, people will be less responsible. So you so your savings per family in the last five years is up. Well, let's just say in the last four years. It went from, and this, I don't want to give anybody a bad, a bad feeling over breakfast here, but, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm going to. Your, uh, your savings per family, let's go back to 2016, is up, uh, we got, is up 8,000 bucks, and your debt per citizen to the, to the federal government is up 31. How you doing? <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Hey, uh, so you are, you're in, are you, you guys, uh, school on Monday, so you got a three day weekend, or we're off, no trade? No, I got school on, I've got school on Monday. Alright, well, uh. No, yeah, no, I'm, are the markets closed Monday? Yeah, well, I I president, President's Day. I, I can't, there's a, what's the holiday we're never closed? Columbus Day, something like that? Yeah. Well, yeah, no, no, I, get, I get them all mixed up. We weren't, we weren't closed, uh, New Year's Eve either this year. We're new, I know. We didn't, we didn't get the holiday. Yeah. We need to get back to work. I know. All right, buddy. Take care of yourself. Have a good week. Teach those kids. Uh, SP Futures now down 19. NASDAQ Futures 96. We've dropped here. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. I'll see you guys later if I still have a job.